Did you ever wonder how your health influences your wealth? Join Chris Dyer, a woman on a mission to redefine midlife and unveil the secrets to success in our latest podcast episode of the Think and Grow Rich series. Would you like to think and grow rich? If so, keep on listening. This podcast is dedicated to those who have found their way from fear to freedom and for those who are considering undertaking this amazing journey. This is the Courage to Be podcast, and I am your host, Tanya Vasayo. Before we get into this episode, I'm thrilled to share that I'm hosting a series on how people's lives have been influenced by the book Think and Grow Rich by Napoleon Hill. If you'd like to learn and apply how to think and grow rich, go to the show notes to get some wonderful free resources and join the Courage to Be community. I look forward to being your guide and mentor so you can transform your life. Welcome back to the Courage to Be, where we have powerful conversations to transform your life and your business. And we are back with the Think and Grow Rich series. Today, we have Chris Dyer with us. Welcome, Chris. Good morning. I am so excited to dig in here and see how the book Think and Grow Rich influence and transform your life because you're coming from a perspective of health. And I love that, you know, it's not just a lot of us focus on our wealth and money and the money we want to make and the wealth we want to acquire. And that's what a lot of the book is focused on that, but I'm excited to interview you just to see the importance of health and the role it plays in our lives, even in the accumulation of wealth. So Share with us, please, when did you first read Think and Grow Rich? What did it do for you? Did it have an immediate change or did it take a while for you to start transforming principles of this book? No, interestingly, I only read the book when I joined the Napoleon Hill Institute to becoming founding coach member. Mm -hmm. And what's interesting is I've always been very well read and I've been reading lots of other thought leaders, thinkers influencers. Even when I went to Greece last year, I revisited the philosophers because of Greek mythology and Roman history. And it's like, I always, even as a a teenager, I always valued a little bit of the Stoic philosophy and the personal accountability and the self-discipline and the self-mastery that even the early philosophers talked about. So what we're reading now is not really new information. Thought leaders creating a platform and a story that says it may be a little bit differently that the right eyes at the right time can take it, can embody it and embrace it and apply it to their own lives. And for me, it's not, oh, well, you just became an overnight success, right? It's like, no, Chris Dyer has been in formation (laughs) for 55 years. And when you take the time to be introspective and reflect on all the things, all the jobs, all the identities, the roles, even things that we engage with that were experiential that maybe we even did get, didn't get compensated for financially. It's all part of our education, right? And so all of my life long, I have been learning and investing in education. I've always valued education, not to be a perfectionist, but always being insatiably curious, always bucking the status quo, always not being accepting average and being always being comfortable. And so that's a unique skill set that is sadly reserved for the top 10% of the people in the world, even the 1%. And so when we follow what are the 1% 
people doing, they have a life strategy, not just a business strategy. They have a life philosophy that they've created for themselves to carve out time to, yes, focus on their business, but they also know how to prioritize and take care of themselves. Okay. So that's where the, the health component comes into. And so when I read Thinking Grow Rich for the first time, it's like, oh, wow, this is very common to me because I have already had experience reading it in different ways and heard it taught by different people and different philosophers. And it's like, okay, it totally resonates. It totally applies to the way I was already assimilating my life and my experience and my knowledge. And so for me, the chapter about specialized knowledge is when the light bulb went off. It's like, oh, I get it. There it is right there under my nose. It's been there all this time. And so we go through lives, our lives trying to figure out where do we fit in? What are we going to do? What is our purpose? What is our definite purpose? And for me, I came from healthcare, which I actually have a different term for it now. It's medicine care. It's not healthcare. <laughs> healthcare is what happens before you go to the medical doctor, right? And, and so that's part of me turning up the volume in my voice on my experience, having come from the medical industry, also being in the health and fitness industry, personal training, health coaching, a little, little bit of nutrition, but there's so many shades of gray. There's so many ways that we can expand that. And when I look at my own life in perspective, right, I even studied some of Bob Proctor and one of the higher intelligences is about perspective. When we can zoom out and look at the full picture of our lifeline, our lifespan, and start looking at the data, start picking it apart, start looking at the cause and effect, this, this, this and the that. It really helped me to shape my voice and create a story and create a ideology that applies in the health space that coincides with the wealth space. Wealth and health exist in the same level of consciousness, okay? And we can evaluate how we take care of ourselves, how we value ourselves in the physical dimension, the mind and the body, and how it applies into our success and our financial abundance and the things that we're able to attract in the business sense, in our relationships, right? And the types of client, it, attracting our ideal client. And so when we present in our business on one side of the curtain, people see a certain thing, people behave a certain way. And and when we get to objectively observe people on the other side of the curtain, like the Oz in the business respect, are they being in integrity with who they say they are on the front side of their curtain? So it allows me to examine a lot of things, examine myself. And in fact, in the, in the study we did this morning, I actually conducted, helped facilitate that study. We are like the own, we are our own Michelangelo's in our life. We are carving out the David, the structure, the future self. And it takes years of carving away, peeling away the things that aren't part of David to reveal David, right? So in the midlife, we get to start peeling away, stripping away the conditioning, the programming, the identities that we have absorbed that aren't part of our future David. And so we get to start unlearning, deprogramming, desensitizing, relearning, react, right? And so we, it, it's a process, it's a molding, it's a shifting, it's an evolving. And so that's where I am. And that's a very long-winded answer. Everything has had a purpose and I understand it and, and honor the journey because it is part of the story. It's me teaching, particularly women in the middle age, it's not too late to become who you thought you wanted to be or who you would like to be or who you would like to emulate. 
we emulate people all day, every day. We get to choose, well, who would I like to be most like? And you start reading about those people. You study those people. What are they doing? Who are they hanging around with? What kind of energy do they project? Are they being in integrity with who they say they are, not just in front of the curtain, being the influencer? Are they a person that I would want to respect? So and in today's society, there's a lot of influencers, a lot of loud voices, a lot of um, distractions. And so I get to pick and choose. Is that a, somebody who's a five minute flash in the pan building influence? Are they truly building a platform of respect, of integrity? Are they who they say they are? And is it about really truly serving and helping other people be them best, their best selves? Or are they just claiming their five minutes of fame. There's so many pieces in here to, that I want to ask you questions about. Yeah. How do you start? Let's go backwards from where you just left off. How do you start discerning from the people that are in that five minutes of fame versus the ones that you want to follow, that you want to respect, that you want to be part of their life? Because you can see that the behind the curtains and the front of the curtains is all matching and is an integrity. How do you discern that, Chris? You become the objective observer, okay? We remove judgment, okay? Judgment is a very low vibrating energy, and it also shows up in our own lives. And so when we can kind of just zoom out and just watch how people, I mean, I, I love watching human behavior, and I'm always observant, and I'll just kind of sit quietly, and and I don't make judgments. I just kind of absorb the data, and I just kind of let it sit there and percolate. And then over time, when you see people show up in different arenas around different people, you begin to listen to their conversations, how they think about themselves, what they talk about, what, they, what are they interested in? How are they treating other people? Right. I mean, it's very common. Like, do you really want to know how a person is? Watch how they treat somebody of service, like a waitress or somebody who's in a servant or service type position, how we treat other people very much shows the, the level of integrity and the level of dignity and respect that we hold for other people. That's very telling. So I like to watch and so I, I'm not quick to form judgments. I just watch and observe. But then I also am watching and observing me. How am I showing up? Right. And how am I coming across? How am I being a better human? And that's all on me. For me to always be able to to shift and adapt and be sensitive to other people's demographic, where they came from, their life story, the adversity, the pain, the grief, the sorrow, all the things, the traumas, being open and sensitive to respecting everyone has a journey and a story. And to remove perceived judgments on them also allows me to re also release judgments that I've carried on myself that have caused me to play small and to think small about myself. So unconditional love and compassion for myself allows me to easily, graciously offer to every other person that I encounter, okay? And then it's like, that's me. And then for other people, you know, their journey is not my story. But if I want to be a person of integrity, I in turn want to follow other people with integrity who have that same mindset, um, compassion, um, humanitarianism, philanthropy, service, service-minded, service heart. And it's not about the ego. Because a lot of influencers are typically, look at me, look what I'm doing, look what I'm wearing, look what, who I'm hanging out with, right? The It's like, mm, yeah, that's not who I am. At the end of the day, I would rather earn someone's respect than have their influence for five minutes.
Yeah, that's great. Uh, and I love how you explain that going through the different parts, what stood out as you were explaining that is that not having judgment, which I think is huge already, because we are always passing judgment. And I think that's great that you're mastering that and coming from a place of observation. But what stood out to me was that not judging of yourself and playing small. Can you elaborate a little bit more on that and how you've overcome or when it hits, because like you've said before, you know, we're work in progress. We're all learning. How do you deal when the judgments of yourself, the criticism or the playing small has showed up? Like, what have you done to overcome that? The self-work, doing my own personal work, learning about myself and learning how to work with my strengths instead of against my strengths. And when we're born, we are conditioned, programmed to be and act and do certain things, think certain ways. And so it's been a lifetime, I mean, five decades. And I came up with this analogy and it, for me, it's pretty spot on. I don't know if it is for other people, but I would say the more decades of unlearning we have to do takes about a year to process. So I've been in my midlife makeover journey for five years because I've been alive. Well, I'm in the middle of my sixth decade, right? So I'm, I'm 56 this year. So all of those years of programming and conditioning, it's operant conditioning when we look at psychology. And it's been a little bit of, I don't like to use the word brainwashing because that is a very low vibrating term to insinuate somebody doesn't have a mind to think of their own, but it is conditioning. And it is a little bit of hypnotism it, or hypnosis that we acquired when we were children, right? When we go back and we study early childhood psychology, a lot of the things that we carry and the concepts and the constructs were formed when we were young. So observing how my mother acted and behaved, how what she did do, what she didn't do, um, how she made me feel, how loneliness and isolation was my poverty growing up. I had a roof over my head. I had clothes. Emotional vacancy is a void that is created within children. That was what I had to learn to overcome. And I was born with a very high emotional IQ. It was off the charts. I mean, it still is. And so that made me also very empathic and very intuitive. Those are off the chart, without a doubt. That's my zone of genius. And so when we think about the equalizer, think about in the 1980s, we had the JVC consoles and the equalizer was like the bass and the treble and all the frequencies in between. You know, they're all going up and down. Well, mine was on full tilt. And so I had to learn how to regulate my emotions, but I didn't know how. Nobody taught me how. And so that set me up for having a lot of conflict and unrest and unease in my own mind and a lot of suffering. And so for 17 years, I survived on antidepressants because I did not know how to process my emotions. And as children and young adults, we absorb all of this data and we don't, our frontal lobes aren't developed yet. So we don't know what to do with it. So all these thoughts and emotions and Feelings are, are just stuck in our head and we don't have an outlet because we don't know how to explain it or express it. And so that's where I was as a young adult and I had a great work ethic. I had a can-do attitude, but I had all this nonsense and struggle in my own brain. I didn't know how to deal with. And so the way I dealt with it was I covered it up with antidepressants. A lot of people cover and distract the things that they don't know how to process or release, right? There's drugs, there's alcohol, there's porn, there's social, there's so many. And so addictions come up in a lot of different flavors, right? And, and so again, it's removing judgment and being sensitive to 
okay, let's be present. What's really going on? What's going on between the, the two ears that's causing us to be in a place of struggle and survival mode and not being able to thrive? And, and so that was my story for 17 years. I was a great mom. I was a single mom and couldn't be happy in my own head. Felt like I didn't belong. Felt like I was isolated. Even being married in my first marriage, didn't even feel like I had a connection to my partner at the time. I didn't feel like I belonged anywhere, but that was the setup. And there were a couple of times in my life that I thought I was better not being here, but I wasn't selfish enough to, to follow through with that because I knew I had enough sensitivity to understand the implications of the lives that would be affected. So it's like, what do you do? What do you do? You, you survive on antidepressants. Well, in 2019, when I embarked on this five-year journey of my midlife makeover, it's like, okay, I want to be stronger than that. What do I do? I hired my first life coach. She opened a portal of journaling for me, allowed me to get the thoughts out of my head onto paper. It was a creative process that started a creative journey, which was the creative journey in that part of my business five years ago, allowed me the healing space and time to start reprogramming my brain with positive reading. I opened the books again, started listening to podcasts such as this listening to other influencers, exposing myself to other people who had a higher energy. So I started slowly reprogramming the neuroplasticity within my brain, rewriting the grooves, the neural tracks, and the thought processes going on in my brain. It was a start. I also released my dependency on the medication in a short, within six weeks. It's like, no, I'm going to do this work. I'm going to process. And I became more in control of my thoughts and learned how to process my feelings. And then was the next step of understanding emotions and where they came from. They're not anything to be scared of. Our emotions have something to teach us. And there's so many lessons and learning to shift the perspective of the stories that I have been holding onto in my mind for years and years, giving myself compassion. It's like, oh, wow. I didn't know to look at it a different way. I didn't know when you don't know what you don't know. And when you learn, a better way, you can make new decisions. You can form new conclusions best on better data. And so I've unpacked a lot here. And so, you know, we talked about the emotional sensitivity, but before I did the work in 2019 is when, you know, the healthcare and then the, the personal care, the physical fitness and the personal training. I mean, I was a personal trainer. Physically, I was in amazing shape. Mentally, I was still a hot mess. And so I was showing up not being fully authentic as a great personal trainer, really helping women shape themselves physically. But you know what? The conversations that I would have with these women while we were training their body to do what they wanted it to do was 90% of the conversation was about their mindset. And I wasn't in integrity with my mindset because again, I, it was shrouded by surviving on a medication. I, it allowed me to equalize my emotions. So I wanted to be in integrity physically mentally, emotionally. The third part was spiritually. I had been disconnected from myself all my life, always questioning authority, who to believe, what to believe, well, how can they be right and they be wrong? It's like, no, all, all these questions were ruminating between my two ears. And so connecting to myself spiritually, to my soul was the third part. And then Tanya, you and I both know a, a beautiful woman that we came to learn from by being involved in this Napoleon Hill community. And she taught us about higher levels of consciousness, right? The fifth dimension. 
And that's where I lean into myself, trusting myself, the body, the mind, the spirit, the intuition, and allowing those to be my guides and being in integrity in all of those dimensions. That is my highest level of consciousness. That's the space that I live in and how I choose to show up. And I know that if I'm being in integrity in all the dimensions, then I'm okay. I can't worry about what's going on in the outside world. No matter who says what to me or what happens, it's like I can trust myself to make the right decisions, follow the energy, and aspire to be around those 1% people who also do the same thing. It's amazing. And I so appreciate your candidness, you know, your vulnerability and sharing with us your process, because I know you're not alone. And if there's even one person that's listening and saying, oh my God, yes, I've been on antidepressants my whole life or for a period of time, whatever it is, or that you're judging yourself, go back and listen to what Chris just shared, because there's a lot in that story. And what I have a question, I'm just impressed with the whole story and how you decided to say yes to yourself and your level of awareness too, of realizing that physically, your physical and your mental were not an integrity. And I think this is so important even not just looking at from a perspective of integrity, of just finding harmony, finding balance, because you said at the beginning of the interview that health and wealth live in the same level of consciousness. I want to go deeper into that. I have so many other questions, Chris. I think we could turn this episode into so much longer, but let's talk about finding this harmony and this balance. Cause that's what I'm getting as you're telling the story, you know, like you started finding harmony with your body, with your mind, with your spirit, with your consciousness. And now you're operating from another level. Right. And to me, this is amazing that it happened in a five-year period, you know, it, and it could happen even faster, but it's amazing that you were able to go through this and that you said, how long did it take you to let go of the medication? Six weeks, mm-hmm. you know, because you started doing the work. That is yeah. amazing. Well, I made a decision that I no longer wanted to be dependent on a chemical substance. And that's essentially what it is. And so there's no shame in it. It, it, it is what it is. But what I also learned that I am highly, highly creative. I mean, I was born with that. And I inherited that from my grandmother. And all these pieces of the puzzle are like starting to come into alignment in the piece. You know, and, and I have this analogy. We're all born with a cosmic puzzle, right? We, our cosmic puzzle is in a box that we're born with. And we go through our lives with these pieces all spread out. And they're kind of turned over. And then what do we start doing? Well, we start finding the straight edges. We start turning them over. We see where the colors match and they fit and and integrate. And um, I know there's like the pixelated pictures that have like thousands of little pictures that come together to form an image. I mean, that's essentially what we're doing. And all of these cosmic puzzle pieces were turning constantly over. And then there's some that they're just kind of like stuck there. It's like, I don't know what that piece was meant for. What was the lesson? Why was that person in my life? Why did this happen? And then once you collect enough data, you you turn over some more pieces. And then there's the epiphany. It's like, oh, I get it now. There's the lesson. That's what I was supposed to learn. But instead, I held on to this story or this concept that made me miserable. I didn't know. And, and so, you know, we can only connect the dots backwards, right? I think that's a Steve Jobs quote. And, and, and so that's essentially what we get to do in our midlife. 
And that's the beauty of the second phase of life is, you know, the first phase of life, we get here, we're told how to think, we're told what to do, go get married, go have a family, go raise your kids, get a career. We do all that. Then what? <laughs> What's next? People will continue just going along, living in that first phase of life, not truly really knowing who they are. Nobody really asks them, well, what would you like to do? Who would you like to be? And, and here's a story for another book. Who would you like to be when you wake up? Because we've been handed all these expectations, all these rules and regulations and ideologies that we didn't ask for. We consented. And so when we've worked against ourselves, our true nature, how we were born, what our purpose and the gift that we were born onto this earth, when we work against ourselves, that's where the conflict happens. And it's all between the ears. Yeah, it's so true. And I want to dive deeper into the creativity part of it, because that's one of the principles in the book, you know, that Napoleon Hill talks about, which is imagination. And we all have imagination. And I know there's a lot of people that tell themselves they, they might be more left brain, you know, and they're like lawyers or doctors or, you know, professionals that kind of have forgotten to tap into that side of their creativity and their imagination. We're all born oh. with it. So I'd love to hear from you, Chris, since you know that your creative abilities and that you have this very developed, what can you say about that? Especially for people that don't consider themselves very creative or that they haven't used, they haven't played with their imagination. That's how I look at it. I'm like, have you played with your imagination? Like we used to do with kids. Like if you have kids around, you know, I have a 10 year old and her imagination's off the charts. And I love seeing it because it reminds me of tap into your own imagination. And that's how it all comes together too, you know, with your intuition and other things. So I'd love to hear your perspective on creativity, how to develop it more, how to connect with that particular principle, that higher capacity of imagination that we have, higher faculty. Yeah, this is like a book in itself. Honestly, I fully believe that everybody has a multi-million dollar idea within them. And they allow themselves the time to sit and be still and be silent without the distractions. Other people's voices constantly playing in their head. We allow to break the seal of conformity that we have been placed into a box, into other people's expectations and other labels that have been given to us that we didn't ask for. Again, this book has helped me understand even more deeply after studying like Bob Proctor and in and, and the bajillion things that I've been reading that support this, how I understand it best. When we give our bodies and our brain what they need to thrive, imagination blossoms. Most people are going through life with their blinders on. Oh, it has to look a certain way. Oh, I need to be doing this or I'm conforming to you know, working this career, the day-to-day, -day, the mundane, and, and it becomes that self-repeating pattern. So there must become a pattern interrupt. There must have, number one, an awareness of knowing of, gosh, there really has to be more. There's way more, <laughs> right? And so for me, I always had this awareness. I always knew that there was more. I just didn't know how to get it. I didn't know what it was. I didn't know how to put my finger on it or describe it. The good thing was, is I kept searching. Okay. I was always reading. I was always curious, always opening my mind, being expansive and looking at other options and opportunities. And, you know, part of life is experiential. We are learning when we do things, we're learning as much as what's not for us that we don't resonate as we do find what does resonate. 
And then we go in that direction. So that's why it's important to always be open to experimentation, to trying on things like a coat in a closet. You try on a coat. If it fits, great. If it doesn't, you hang it up or you put it in the bin to go to the Goodwill, right? So there's a lot of mental models and constructs, but to be curious and open-minded and have that growth mindset, I think that's key. A willingness to change, having a can-do attitude and always be willing to put one step, one foot in front of the other. There has to be a growth mindset. If you are comfortable with being content, there's that's okay too, right? Some people are very comfortable being content and not pushing their boundaries, not stretching and growing. So have to be sensitive to that as well. Clearly, I'm not that person. <laughs> and it's interesting because I see the difference between even the way I was raised, um, the difference between fixed mindset and growth mindset and where the conflict has always been. And me always having a little bit of a rebellious nature, me being the kid that didn't want to go to bed at eight o'clock. It's like, why do I have to write? Always questioning everything, <laughs> always questioning authority. And that's not a bad thing because it allowed me to always be seeking for more. We will never know all the answers, but the creativity, the imagination, you get to explore it when you know yourself and you get inspired and you put yourself in situations around people, around other things. And I mean, I can trust that when I go for a walk, the clarity comes, the mind becomes clear. I'm going to come up with a, I'm going to come up with an amazing idea just by going for a walk because I'm giving my body what it needs. My oxygen's flowing. I'm breathing, right? My body is, is working in unison because the body was intended to move. So all of these things that I know and understand with the body mechanics of our physiology, our psychology, working together cohesively, it's an amazing organism. And when we give it what it needs, it thrives. It bursts out multi-million dollar ideas. And I happen to know that I'm sitting on a couple of them. And now it's for me, it's like, oof, I need to dial back in and conserve my time, respect my resources and not give my time away so easily. So it's almost like a firecracker or an explosion. Like it's that firework. It's like, go out with a bang. It's like, ooh, I have all this excitement and this energy. And now it's like, now I'm pulling it in like a supernova, right? And now I get to really be in create mode. Like I have all this amazing energy, enthusiasm, expectancy of an amazing future. Now it's curating it into content that I get to push out into the world to help inspire someone else, live into their creativity, be able to, learning to live into what I was born with, with a specialized knowledge, applying it in all the dimensions, being able to serve it in a way makes sense. It creates a story that inspires someone to take a different action, to make a different decision, to know that it is possible and that it's never too late. My health and wellness journey, I didn't start till I was 40. And here I am 50 in my midlife makeover. 60 is going to be pretty phenomenal, right? I mean, look at the other people that we look up to and admire that didn't really get going until their 50s and 60s and 70s. And then reading about Thomas Edison, who took a nap every day, who gave himself quiet time away from distraction. And then he, his idea came to him. And so all of these people that we're studying and reading about, it's like, yeah, I identify with every single bit of it. And it makes sense. I love this. Let's take a pause. Let's take a little moment. And we're going to continue with this because I want to dive deeper into the million dollar ideas and how to express and release our emotions too. I wanted to share with you that our life self-confidence camp is still going on and the energy in there has been amazing. 
I share this because there's still time to join us so that you can quantum leap your self-confidence before the end of the year. I know that no matter how confident you feel, there's always room for growth. The great thing is that if you sign up with us now, you get to take advantage of some incredible bonuses that won't be around forever, like eight live calls, two months of free live daily studies of Napoleon Hill's material, our daily live self-discipline calls. You'll get accountability and support in an amazing community that's determined to end 2023 on a whole other level. Are you ready to boost your self-confidence? If so, just check out our show notes for more information. So I want to ask you, Chris, when you were talking about our emotions before and how you couldn't express them in a certain way, because no one taught you how to deal with emotions, what would you recommend to the listener that is going through different emotions? And it could be the ones that we've labeled negative ones, you know, like anger and fear and doubt and worry. How do we deal? How do we cope with these kind of emotions instead of suppressing them with antidepressants, alcohol, drugs, porn, you know, shopping, fill in the blank food, whatever it is. What's a great suggestion that you have for our audience? I think when we give it a name, it takes away its power and then we can analyze it and understand okay, where's that coming from? And a lot of times we, we, we have a lot of self-sabotaging loops that we walk around with and a lot of triggers and triggers bring up remnants of memories of trauma or something that happened that we created a story or created a situation that we've held onto that causes us to play small or to live in a place of fear or judgment, guilt, blame, shame despair, all those very low vibrating energies. And so when we understand where the emotions keep coming from, then we start recognizing the patterns. And the the sooner that we can identify and catch a self-repeating loop and, and catch that pattern, then we can make a different decision. We can transform the energy of that motion, emotion into something else higher up on the vibrational chart. And as we know, when we study more, emotions and energies actually create chemical responses in our brain, get affected throughout our body. All stresses, all wounds are stored somehow, some way in the body physiologically. And we don't know where it's going to show up. It can be inflammation. It can be pain. It could be mental pain. It could be a physiologic process that starts happening in our body. Our bodies actually start aging start declining because of things that we've been holding on to the way we perceive and have a negative thought or a negative reaction to something that may have happened in our past or maybe it's very present so it's being very cautious engaging our energy seeing the patterns where they come up placing a stop so we stop the self-sabotage and, and and I'm a living proof of this because I've evaluated and when someone or something triggers me it's like oh that's familiar where does that come from oh that's something from high school where you know I got shunned or rejected and and, and right in that that self-repeating loop it's like oh well wait a minute well maybe that person didn't really mean it that way maybe it wasn't about me maybe it was more about them because the ego wants to protect The ego wants to make all these things about us and 99% of what happens to us from other people truly isn't about us. It's about their fears and insecurities that get projected onto us. That was a huge enlightening for me 
to me to create understanding of how I ended up the way I was, to be very present. It's like, oh, there it is. Okay. So when we have that understanding, it's like, oh, it wasn't about me. That's refreshing. I can let go of that burden. How much lighter I feel making peace with the past allows us to be very present. And then we begin to become a conscious creator Creator. going forward. And, and so when we get to that place, then we get to heal the people behind us that made us, or maybe projected that energy onto us. They didn't know that they were doing it. So then we get to forgive them. We give them compassion because they didn't know what they didn't know. You know, people are projecting energy onto us all the time, all day, every day. And so when we start understanding how energy and emotions work, we become very protective. We can actually create a energetic force field of what is meant for us and actually how we show up in different rooms, right? When people have a negative energy, we, we, we are so in tune and aware. It's like, wow, that person's not for me. Right. And then we just immediately gravitate towards following the energy, following the people that are energetically meant for you, that, you know, we are walking together in the same direction. We are here to in love and light to support people and to live on the high vibrating frequency end of the chart, emotions, emotions, all that, all that negative energy I carried around for decades. It wasn't mine to carry. And yet I consented to carrying it because I thought it was for me. It wasn't about me. It was somebody else's projections and fears onto me that I carried. And so there was the conflict. I didn't know how to release that. Nobody taught me how to process and and release and, and come to peace, come to terms, and then slowly peeling off parts of my identity that were given to me that I didn't ask for. You know, there is a wild child inside of me. <laughs> there is a rebellion, but you know what? I think all of us have that. It's the little kid who just wants to be who they are, be free to experience and create and just be in joy and peace and love and laughter and not have that negative energy projected onto them. The conformity, yeah. oh, you need to be in this box. And we look at society and we look at, you know, I'm not going to get into the conversation. We just have to be aware and make a different yeah. decision. And also, I wish we taught more of these things to kids, you know, of just not because you using the word consenting. I don't even think we consented. I think the word should be accepted We because we're just kids. So we're just right. accepting Right. what's being taught to us, what's being said to us, what's what we're experiencing and that meaning we're giving it. And no one teaches us as kids or even as we're becoming adults, you know, teenage years to question that right. and say, well, do I have to believe that because my parents believe that? Or why do I believe that? You know, whether mm-hmm. it's regarding money, whether it's regarding body image, whether it's regarding your faith, you know, what kind of upbringing that you have, you know? So yeah, this is, it's so fascinating because we don't allow ourselves and we don't teach our kids, you know, the future, but we're changing that. We're wanting to change this for future generations. Thank you for that, Chris. I want to come back to the million dollar ideas because I don't want to leave the audience hanging. You know, I don't want to brush over it when you were saying that you believe that we all have a million dollar idea within us. And when we allow the space, the time, the distractions to move out of the way, that's when we can connect to these ideas. Can you talk to us a little bit more about that? Like how have these ideas come to you? How have you tapped into these ideas? 
or even with clients, because I know that you have helped clients to reach multi-six figures, seven figures. How do we allow and create that space to connect with these ideas? And can you give us a story or two? Sure, absolutely. Yes. And it's sort of like the cliche, we can't see our own own eyebrows. (laughs) It's being able to have conversations with people. and, And I've been able to do this myself. So but then I also help my clients do it as well. People can't see their own blinders. And so it's being able to remove the blinders and acknowledge truly the gifts we all have within us. Again, it's sitting on our assets. And that's actually a tagline I used for a while. I mean, I will help you get off your assets, right? Literatively and figuratively, (laughs) because I know that our brain and our body are tools to help us create our success and our abundance because we were given a body and a brain to use and utilize. And both of them work beautifully together. Again, when we give them what they need to thrive and survive, you know, oxygen, water, nutrition, movement, rest and recovery. Those are the five basic things the body and the brain needs. Beyond that, everything is a distraction. And we are sold a lot of things thinking, well, you need this and you need that. It's like, no, I don't. We need a lot less than we're being told and sold. Wait, can you repeat those three again, Chris? Movement, water. It's owner. It's it's an acronym. Be the owner of your health. Oxygen, water, nutrition, exercise your options, rest and recovery. O-W-N-E-R. Basic. That's what I teach everybody. And that's the strategy I live with every single day to making sure that all of that's being incorporated. And then I have other book ideas that I'm working on. A lot of people have heard of the book Profit First. It's about accounting principles where you pay yourself first off your gross income, right? That way nobody touches it. It accrues exponential growth and compounds daily. If time is our number one asset, we all have the same amount of time. What would it look like if we paid ourselves in time 20% of our waking hours during the day? How much healthier and happier would we be? How would we be able to remove stress and anxiety from our body and be happier, have the capacity, the physical, mental, wherewithal capacity to do greater things, to think more clearly, to get that clarity, to be in states of creativity and flow. When we give ourselves 20%, I don't know about you, Tanya, as a woman, I was conditioned to give it all away. We were conditioned to be, oh, you're going to be a nurturer and provider, and you're going to make sure everybody has what they need. There's nothing left at the end of the day. I wasn't taught that it was okay to take care of myself. I wasn't taught that, oh, What are you doing for you? Now we're doing a better job of talking about it, but self-care is more than bubble baths and and pedicures. And and how are you truly honoring your physical self, your mental self, preserving? How are we preserving our brain and our body so that we have the capacity to flourish, thrive, rather than just going through survival mode day after day, giving, giving all of our energy away, having nothing left for ourselves. And so there's multiple layers to it. And so the Midlife Academy is for women primarily, who are in the second phase of life, who want to pay themselves back the debt that they paid growing up, raising their kids and their family, getting their spouses or partners up and off the ground, putting all that investing into their career. And they're still wondering, okay, what's next? How do I take care of myself? How do I really honor myself? How do I set myself up for success? Being an optimal self-care giver now in phase two of life so that I don't become dependent on a caregiver in my third phase of life. Okay, so if we, now we're studying about centurions. How do people live to be 100? Would you even like to consider living to be 100? How does that even look like? 
how do I create that? Well, you have to be strategic, carving out time for yourself most days, thinking about your health and wellness so that you don't create chronic processes and diseases that start taking us out when we're 60, 70, 80, 90, right? You know, heart, right? The big four, heart attack, cognitive decline, Alzheimer's, dementia, you know, cancer and diabetes, right? The big four. And these are all very preventable body declining processes that start many decades before they show up later in life. So that's the flag I'm sticking my pole in. It's like, how can I help people start reversing the metabolic decline, taking care of themselves, preserving their muscle tissue, preserving their brain, having a strong mind and a strong body sets us up for success. What good is it to build all this wealth and be unhappy and miserable? We don't have family and friends we can enjoy it with, or we just have a very short health span, right? So it's taking all the things in consideration. <laughs> Keeping all of them. Yes, I'd go even deeper. And these are great. I'm so happy that you've shared these acronyms and the things that we need to pay attention. But I deviated you with the question of how do we tap into the million dollar ideas? Because yeah. you were going with the acronym and then we got sidetracked with <laughs> the other things that we need to focus on, which is definitely important to That's... have a healthy as we're going into our midlife and beyond, and that we want to age gracefully and in a good place of our mind, our body, our spirit, but let's bring it back to connecting to our million dollar idea. Cause I sidetracked you with that, Chris. It's all good. That is one of my million dollar ideas is speaking very passionately about educating other people, how to take control back in charge of their life, their lifestyle. I teach about lifestyle, legacy, and leadership, okay? Lifestyle is how are we taking care of ourselves on the day-to-day -day more consistently? And it's not about perfection. It's about progress. It's about slowly undoing the processes in our body that are making us accelerate aging. I like to say living gracefully. I don't even use the word aging or anti-aging, okay? It's those subtle shifts in the mindset. Because in the medical system, when you get to where processes have advanced in your life and they're, they're causing a decline in the quality of your life, now you are having to be in a de defensive role about correcting things that were going on decades before. My position is to play on the offensive side, to educate and advocate and teach people how to do it on their own. Okay. When there was something else that I really wanted to say about it. Yeah, I can go on a thousand tangents here. So that's one of them. It's speaking, educating, advocating, writing books, writing blogs, writing articles. All of those are a form of abundance. It's me sharing my specialized knowledge to the world to encourage and empower them, give them back the control that they don't necessarily see unconsciously they're giving away. Okay. So when there's an awareness, it's like, oh, when I know better, I do better. Then now I get to make a choice or maybe it's the repetition. I'm, I'll be the squeaky wheel. It's like, you really have more control than you think you do. And here's why. Explaining to people why some of these unconscious um, habits and not knowing where to give the right attention to, right? Again, we're so distracted. We're being told to give all of our attention away to other things. When we start to give it to ourselves. We get to learn about ourselves. We get to learn how our mind and our body work together conducively to form abundance, to form health, to create an abundance of creativity and, and use our brain and come up with ideas that we wouldn't have 
otherwise because we're so used to being programmed and conditioned. When we break those conditions away, it's like, oh, wow. Now I know this and I know that and I learned this and I learned that and I did this before. And now how can I put it together and make something ordinary, extraordinary and put it out into the world? That's where the multi-million dollar ideas come from. So that's the biggest one is, is talking about health and relationship, creating multi-generational health while other people are talking about multi-generational wealth, right? Because our friends and our family are watching how we take care of ourselves. It's like, it really is easy and I've made it easy and I make it look easy. How do I help make it easy for someone else? Because in their mind, they're thinking, no, that's hard. I could never do that. I'm here to tell you, yes, you absolutely can. I'm going to show you how, okay? It's to strip away the distractions and all of the heavy language. And it is science, but it's simple science. Science works. It does. It's common sense. And we're bringing common sense back up to the surface, <laughs> just like the acronym, being the owner of your health. When we really strip away all the other distractions, your body really only truly needs the five things. And then you, you become more intentional and deliberate how you give yourself that. So you were asking about my other million dollar idea. I actually, I was a speaker at a conference last year and I really wanted to come up with a, a topic and I wanted to create an experience on the stage. I knew in my mind that I didn't want to look like the other perfected and polished women on the stage giving their presentations. Like, how do I make myself memorable? How do I deliver something that piques somebody's interest that they're, they're going to remember? And I've I had people a year ago say, like, oh, yeah, I remember that. That was awesome because they remembered what I did. And what I did is I created an experiment on the stage and they were part of the experiment. And so part of me is a science geek. So I brought out one part of my identity. Another part of my identity was from the fitness and wellness. So I went on with my leggings and I had on my tennis shoes and I had on a sparkly shirt. And I had on a lab coat that I had put Swarovski crystals on it. So it was sparkles. So it spoke to my creativity, my imagination. It was different and unique and it didn't look like everybody else. And then so the topic of the presentation, I used the outline of the periodic table of elements as my outline. So it was a construct of getting off your assets, but it was me using my assets, getting off my assets and serving them in a different, unique, colorful, spicy way using the periodic table of elements as my outline and created the format, the outline of a book, children's book. And actually my grandchildren inspired this idea because they also love science. And my kids, all of us, three generations, we love the periodic table of elements. The, my kids have a shower curtain that had it. I had a coffee tumbler that, right? So all of these yes. symbols were already out there in the universe that I had already had in my, I don't know, my sphere of influence. And so I took the periodic table of elements. I thought, wouldn't it be cool if I could teach my grandkids and also other kids to already start learning about earth science at an early age and make it creative and unique that gets them excited. Like think of STEM programs, right? We want our young kids to get excited about science and technology and engineering and mathematics. So the periodic table is a universal language. It is recognized all over the world. So technically this topic, I can translate into multiple languages. So taking earth science, making it fun and interactive for kids. So they're learning about the periodic table and the different elements and the symbols. And at the same time, on the right side of the brain, teaching them virtues and values, taking the word H for instance, hydrogen, first element in the table, but then H can be happy, right? So in 
I'm just giving you a couple of examples. Uh, potassium, the chemical element is K. So they're going to learn about potassium, what it is and how it applies in earth science. But then K represents kindness. Okay. So the, even the book, even the mental construct, left and right, left brain, right brain, you've got the logic and the reasoning that appeals to left-minded, left-brained individuals, but then it also excites the right brain creativity, creative people, and the virtues and the values and the soft skills, because all of the skills are very important. And to serve it in a done-for-you book that's colorful and interactive and depicts children's from children from all over the world that teaches them about earth science and how it applies to their everyday life that's relevant, but also giving them and instilling them the virtues and the values as parents and grandparents, we want the kids to learn character building. So Periodic Positivity, that book will be published on February 7th, which actually coincides with National Periodic Table Day on National Calendar Day. So, and I foresee lots of products that can be offshoots of this book and it can be translated in multiple languages and it's so inclusive and it's so representative. So that's one of my multi-million dollar ideas. I love it. I love it. And, but then the question is, how did that idea come into your head? By pulling together all of my assets, by different pieces of my identity that have been with me all throughout my life that have just been sort of quiet, right? Because, oh, you're told, well, if you're going to be a speaker on the stage, you need to look like this. You need to sound like this. You need to deliver like this. It was like, no, I want to be a little rebellious. I really want to do something, offer something different and memorable. So I used my creativity and I improvised and I used things that are already about me. So I didn't have to create something new. I already had all of these assets within me that I just allowed to come full force out onto the stage. And we had dance music, right? In the background, because we know music raises the vibration of the room. People got up on their feet. So I used all the things that I knew about me that work in my life and how I coach my clients. I delivered it on the stage as a construct for a book. So nothing's ever wasted. So everything you've ever done in your life is preparing you for the next thing. Mm -hmm. That's the moral of the story in a nutshell. It's like everything you've ever done, when you unpack it and you analyze it and you truly love all of the pieces of you that you love and you want to cling on to and hold on to, that's the makings of a multi-million dollar business idea. I love it. Well, as we're wrapping up, Chris, where can people find you? Find me on Instagram, Chris Dyer Consulting. Chris Dyer Consulting. And we'll have it also in the show notes. Mm-hmm. And That's one last website. Pl- you did ask me about a website too. It doesn't matter. I think it's better that people can find you on Instagram and we'll have in the show notes because some people are listening to the podcast just okay. to not confuse them. And we'll sure. put the rest of the things. If you want to look up, just go into the show notes and you can find other ways to connect with Chris. And so what would be three tips for the listener of how they can find their million dollar idea? Like what are three things that they could do? Do the inner work. If they're in a place where they're struggling, they're in survival mode, look within, okay? Do some healing work. Look at where you're giving your time and your attention away to. We are very easily distracted. We are taught to be producers and consumers, okay? When we become more deliberate with our time, And we learn about all the magic that is already within us. Work with someone to help you through that self-discovery process, because the relationship with yourself is the most important relationship you'll ever have. Okay. Unconditional love and self-compassion is the entryway along with gratitude. Those are the three things, honestly. I love it. Thank you so much, Chris. I appreciate you spending the time with us and sharing your knowledge, your specialized knowledge and 
what things we can do to improve our lives and to heal our past, let go of the past. So again, thanks for your time and thanks for being here with us today. Thank you very much. I am so grateful that you joined me today. If you enjoyed it, there's one thing I'd like you to do. Click on the follow button so you don't miss a single episode. Leave me a rating and a review and please share. As my way to thank you, email us a screen grab of your review at the email in the show notes and we will send you a free Crafting Your Future guided visualization, which is so simple to do with outstanding results. It will empower you and give you the confidence to attract and create the life you've always desired. See you in our next episode.